June 5th. And now we turn to the New Testament, and today our reading will come from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, where we'll read about priorities. Peter and John were not so caught up with large crowds that they had no time for individuals, nor were they so busy in ministry that they could not pray. They had learned their lessons well from the Lord Jesus. We'll read about power. The emphasis in chapters 3 and 4 is on the name of Jesus, the name above every name. Faith in the name of Jesus releases power so that lives are changed. To pray or minister in His name means to ask or act on His authority so that He alone gets the glory. And they will read about the proclamation. At Pentecost, the sound of a rushing wind drew the crowd. But here, the witness of a changed life brought the people together. Thus, Peter had the opportunity to preach, and 2,000 people were converted. Reach out to the individual, and God will give you opportunities for a bigger harvest. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. June 5th. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 26. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift. But Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade, where he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Everyone stood in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. "'People of Israel,' he said, "'what is so astounding about this? And why look at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power and godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of all our ancestors,' who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him to life, and we are witnesses of this fact. The name of Jesus has healed this man." and you know how lame he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has caused this healing before your very eyes. Friends, I realize what you did to Jesus was done in ignorance, 
and the same can be said of your leaders. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had declared about the Messiah beforehand, that he must suffer all these things. Now turn from your sins, and turn to God, so you can be cleansed of your sins. Then wonderful times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will send Jesus your Messiah to you again. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be cut off from God's people and utterly destroyed. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. might say, I don't believe in God, but the Bible says not possible. See, everyone has a God, whether or not it's the God of the gospel. You might not believe in God, but everyone has that one thing that's king. Even the dictionary defines God as whatever we make supreme, because it's a theme, it's a thread. You see it inside all human beings, the fact that we all worship. And no, it's not just about singing. Now, I know you like, Jeff, I don't worship. I put that on the shelf, but I say technically we all worship. We just worship ourselves. See, we all worship something. To an object, we're all liable. Ladies, to some, your boyfriend is your God, and Cosmo is your Bible. Yet, we mock and we laugh at the Israelites' golden calf, but we do the same thing right back. It just looks a little different than that. So question, what's on your throne? See, what do you chase so that you don't feel alone? See, what defines you? What do you give ultimate worth? And what, if taken, would bring ultimate hurt? Now, see, that is your God. And all of us, we've sacrificed deep joy for shallow happiness. To be honest, we look like fools. We're like full-grown adults in the kiddie pool going, oh my goodness, guys, this is like so cool because we're slaves to our possessions. We're always craving something new, reality check. If you can't give it up, you don't own it. It owns you. And that's why the Bible, it says we're spiritual prostitutes. In fact, it even says we're worse because at least prostitutes get paid for their works. All we get paid is a hearse. And that's why worship, it's not just behavior. It goes way into our core. So ask, what is your God? What do you bow down before? For example, some of us, we don't worship God, but we worship what he said. We got theology in our head, but in our hearts, poor, pitiful, naked, and dead. Or some of us worship in stadiums, or some of us worship in bars. Some of us worship our possessions, or some of us worship our cars. See, some of us worship science, or some of us worship the arts, but I don't care what clothes your idol's wearing, the disease is the heart. Or my favorite is those guys who say, Jeff, I'm a man because I'm in control. Okay, then tell me why can't you stop having sex with your hand while staring at your MacBook Pro? 
Or what about those guys who trade their wives for their jobs at work, give more time to their boss than their actual wives' needs or hurts? And ladies, ladies, no guy can love you more than Jesus already has. So stop putting your worth in Magic Mike. He's so much better than that. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, Jeff, are you saying that we should hate money, hate alcohol, and never have sex? No, but I'm saying God created those all to be enjoyed in their proper context. But I want to transition. I want to make a spiritual incision. Can we really say these things are the ultimate purpose of living? I mean, instead of worshiping the creator of you and I, we've all said, screw you, God, I'll take your stuff. But you can die. But that trade is terrible trading God for man. It's like God offers us water. We say, but God, this is such good sand. Or my friends, they'll say, Jeff, a God that requires me to give up something, I just can't fathom. Yet most of us seem fine giving up everything for a quick orgasm. I mean, am I the only one who's felt the gnawing within? Am I the only one who's felt the weight of my own sin? But see, here's what's unique. Go ahead and critique, but if you hear anything, hear this one thing that I speak where we exchange ourselves for God thinking we could be Him. He exchanged Himself for us, absorbing all our sin. I mean, God literally put on flesh, and do you see how we treated Him, the ultimate war veteran, because He was killed for our freedom. Nonetheless, He was thinking of you and me with every whip that beat Him, knowing full well we'd still go, nah, I don't really need Him. But like a father, He couldn't bear His children to not be free. So He thought up that tree, paid our fee for specks of dirt like you and me, so my plea is let Him Restore his proper place. I promise he loves you right now. Just trust in his grace because before I leave, I'll leave you with this. What are those other things took nails in their wrists? Or how about when's the last time money or sex forgave you? When's your boyfriend set you free from all you're enslaved to? See, what else died so that you could be made new? Or when's the last time the world promised satisfaction and actually came through? Today, we're reading Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4. You know, throughout their history, the Jews have often had to endure the scorn and contempt of their enemies. The world does not love God's people. As we make our way on the narrow road that leads to Zion, we run up against the crowd going in the other direction. So we need to look to God's heaven. If you look at the enemy, you'll get discouraged. So look by faith to the God of the universe who reigns in heaven. And look to God's hand. He is the master. We're the servants. And he tenderly cares for his own. Just be sure your ears are open to whatever orders your master wants to give you. And then look for his help. Adequate mercy is available for you when your heart is filled with pain. Let God's words of strength drown out the enemy's words of scorn. Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We look to the Lord our God for his mercy. 
just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal, Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. We have had our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Proverbs 16, verses 21 through 23. The wise are known for their understanding, and instruction is appreciated if it's well presented. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive.